I hope you have uh, seen at least the events happening in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University over the last couple of weeks as revival was spontaneously breaking out from a chapel service, a time of worship, one morning there at the university. A few of you have even driven up, I understand, and sat through the hours of stalled out traffic to be able to experience just a taste of what that feels like. And as I've talked to friends of mine who have gone and as I've watched it from afar, I keep thinking to myself, God, I would love to have that kind of experience break out at Getwell. But I tell you, even more than that, God, what I really, really long for is for that to break out beyond the walls of any church. And God, would you bring revival? Would you shake the ground and wake up people's hearts to the goodness and the work and the power of Jesus Christ in my community, in Memphis, in North Mississippi, across the world? And I long for that. And as I look at scripture and I pray about and I reflect on what is required of me to be able to potentially open the doors for God to move in that way, it tells us two things are required of you and me. Prayer and repentance. That we pray for God to do what only God can do and we commit ourselves, not just asking forgiveness, but Lord, I've been moving on my own way, seeking what I want now. I will change directions and come after you for what I want most. Because I want you to do what only you can do. And there's something that's been stirring in me, not just the last couple of weeks, but for months now. I feel it deep in my bones that God is up to something. I can feel it stirring and moving. And I'm going to ask God, what is it that you're about to do, Lord? I want to be a part of whatever that is that you're about to do. I don't want to miss it. And I look at our church and I see the ways that God's hand has been upon this body of Christ. And listen, I, I can't fully explain it. I don't fully understand it. It is not a measure of strategy or effort. I believe what it is is that we've got leaders in this local body of Christ that are humble and have been praying for God to move. And God has given a, a little bit of a unique DNA to this local community. And that we're able to hold two things together that seem to be in tension with one another, but you have refused to compromise either. And that is that we hold on to truth and we hold on to grace. And we hold them in each hand, understanding that they're both of God and they're both what God calls us to. And I believe with my whole heart that our world, our community, our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, our families need the message and the life-giving power that comes when we hold truth and grace together. And I've seen God begin to bless this congregation in real tangible ways. I mean, my goodness, you know, a few years ago, we're praying about the next step for God in the movement of our church. And God says, well, here's a, a campus for you in Hernando. And here recently, we were praying for God to open a way 
for a critical position for us and our staff that we needed to be able to move forward with wisdom for an executive director. And, and I wish I could share that whole story with you of how God brought that person to us. And God has brought up some new young uh, leaders with gifts and talents and God stirring their hearts and filling their soul with a passion to reach new people for Jesus and they're ready to be sent out. And financially, our, our church is doing well. And I want to share with you, uh, this was confirmed just a couple of weeks ago. By the end of this year, Get Well Church is going to receive a tax credit for $650,000. Our finance teams have been wrestling with a faithful way to handle that. We, we don't want to be flippant with that. We want to be wise and good stewards, taking all the things into account, our uh, interest rate on our loans, the uh, opportunity, financial opportunities and climate, and the unique calling of God upon us. And I could go on and on and on about the things that God is tangibly doing. But all that leads me to this point. Is we've got to be responsible with what God's given. And we have to respond. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to stand before my Savior at the end of this life and know that I held anything back from people knowing the good news of Jesus Christ. And there are people in our community who need to know the good news. And, and I am challenging you to share the gospel with people that you go to school with, you go to work with in your family. Bring them here or bring them somewhere or just share the gospel with them where you are. But here's the reality is that there are many people in North Mississippi who will never show up at 7875 Getwell Road in South Haven. They'll never show up on Bahalia Road in Hernando. And there are things that there are barriers that prevent them. And so I'm calling this congregation in our Hernando congregation to 40 days of prayer. From this coming Wednesday, March 1st to Easter Sunday, 40 days and I'm challenging us to ask God this question. Are you calling us to reach a new community with a third campus? Is it time? Is it time to raise up new leaders? Is it time to reach new people with what you've given us? Not because we want to have another sign that says, get well church. That is the furthest thing from the point. So there are people who need to know the love of Jesus and we're praying for revival and awakening. And it doesn't come by us waiting for people to show up here. It comes when we go to them. And we pray for God to do what only God can do. And God has been on the move. And so we want to respond to that. And as we seek that out, as we pray through that, and there's a letter going out on Tuesday. So if you haven't signed up to Crosswire, you need to do that. But I'm sending a letter out Tuesday for this call to 40 days of prayer to say, Lord, what is it you're calling us to do? But as we do that, we need to understand that stepping into even that prayer, even that conversation does not go unnoticed in the spiritual world. Because there are spiritual realities that we often don't see or even think about, but are powerfully at work around us. And there are things that would prevent us from taking the gospel to new people. Things that are work in us and around us and things that are at work, can be at work in the community or even 
in our congregation, in our church. And one of the ways to describe those is to talk about a spiritual stronghold. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to talk about those spiritual strongholds. So what is a stronghold? Well, quite literally, uh, it's a, a fortress. In, in ancient times, there were literal physical strongholds, fortresses, that built around cities. And these fortresses, as you see these ruins of a first century fortress here, the purpose was to do three things. Keep enemies out, keep our people in, and to prevent access if we don't want you to have access. And I lift that up because there are spiritual strongholds at work in our lives that do the same thing. And we have an enemy at work who builds spiritual strongholds to keep us out of the lives of others and the mission that God has for us. To keep us in, trapped and entangled in hurt and pain and patterns of shame and addiction and thought processes that lead us away from freedom rather than toward the life that God has for us. And they hold us back from the mission that God has for us. And I want to just, this is just a little side note. I want you to notice something about how our enemy creates these strongholds to prevent us from experiencing the things of God. It's very ironic to me. And I want you to notice this about our enemy, who is Satan, as he has no original thought. All that he can do is he takes the works of God and he twists them and he makes them for his own purposes, which is to kill and steal and destroy. And so he looks at our God, who is our fortress, who protects us from harm, who is a strong uh, fortress for our lives. And he says, well, I can do that. And he tries to build strongholds in our life that get us caught up in all kinds of hurt and pain and heartache. But our God says to us, I can and I will break down those strongholds in your life. And, and you may have a stronghold in your life. It might be uh, addiction. It might be a thought pattern that is leading you away from truth and freedom. It might be something that happened years ago that you have not been able to lay down. Something done or not done, said or not said. Or maybe it's a habitual sin in your life that you just can't break free from, but there are strongholds at work all around us. And the way to break free is not to try harder. It's not a program or a Bible study. It is not some kind of special information. It's a spiritual problem and a spiritual solution. And what I want us to see is that these strongholds have been at work and the spiritual battle has been at work ever since sin entered the world. And those first early followers of Jesus were very aware of the spiritual battle in these strongholds. I think about the very first followers of Jesus after Jesus died and just as he said, he rose again and then he appeared to those followers of his and hundreds of witnesses for 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And he told the disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. And so they went to the upper room and they waited for the Spirit to come. And then the Spirit fell on those believers. And then they go and they begin to share this good news of Jesus. And Peter goes and he preaches his inaugural message. He had he'd never done this before. You know, this, this kind of platform other than when Jesus had sent them out into towns and villages to prepare for his coming. But 
Peter had never done this kind of message before. And he's sharing and 3,000 people came to believe. And the Spirit fell on those people. And there was this great move of God. And so then the disciples were encouraged and they continued to teach and preach. And Jesus had enabled them to do signs and wonders. And so Peter and John, they're walking one day and they meet this lame man who's begging on the side of the road. And he's asking them for money. And Peter and John say, I don't have any money, but what I have, I will give to you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And the man gets up. And of course, people take notice, right? Because like, if there's somebody who's crippled and then they're getting up and walking, you're going to pay attention. And so people begin to notice. And one of the groups of people that took notice were the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, who did not want this movement at the time called the way to gain any traction. And the scripture tells us in the book of Acts that they were disturbed. It literally means they were annoyed. It was like a gnat. They just wanted to go away. And so they see this happen and they realize like we cannot let this grow. And so they take John and they take Peter and they say to them, by what authority are you doing these things? Because that authority sure didn't come from us. So what in the world are you doing? And John and Peter say, well, it's by the name of Jesus that he was healed. Let me tell you, it is always by the name of Jesus that healing comes. So in the name of Jesus, the one that you crucified, but God rose from the dead, that we say these things and we do these things. And they're like, well, you got to stop telling people. And Peter's like, well, you can say whatever you want to say. You can do whatever you need to do. You do what you need to do. But we cannot stop speaking and telling people about what we've seen and heard. But think about it in your life. If you see somebody say, I'm going to rise from the dead and they do it, you're going to tell somebody. I can't stop speaking. And so they're trying to figure out what in the world do we do with these people because the, the crowds have taken notice and they're praising God. And so if we hurt these guys, they're going to riot. And so they just say, all right, you guys are free to go, but no more talking about this Jesus. And I wonder if Peter and John were like, did you just hear the words that came out of my mouth? You do what you got to do. But Peter and John, they understand this one truth, and that's that things were not about to get easier. They're about to get harder. God was not going to stop doing what God was doing. But the opposition was not going to stop opposing them either. In fact, Jesus had told them about this, right? He said, you're going to be thrown out of synagogues. You're going to be uh, persecuted. It is not going to be easy for you, but you will overcome. And you've got a home that God is preparing for you. And you will raise up rewards for you by your faithfulness. And so they lean in and they go back to the early followers of Jesus the group that was supporting them. And that group understood the same truth. Things are not about to get easier. They're actually about to get harder. And so they got together and they did what really all of us should do. And they said, let's start a Bible study. No, that's not what they did. Let's start a basketball league. That's not what they did. They said, let's pray. And I want you to hear the words. We're going to step into the middle of their prayer. And I want you to hear what these people prayed as the, the pressure was building. Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 27. These are the words they're lifting to God. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. 
They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. So what did they pray? God, start a program. God, send us on a mission trip. God, would you, these people are a problem. These religious leaders are are getting in the way. They're going to hurt us. They're going to harm us. Can we swap places with them in authority? Can we be in charge? That's not what they prayed. God, can we have some legislation to prevent this? That's not what they prayed. They said, God, do what only you can do. And while you're doing that, enable us to be bold in telling people about who you are. That was their prayer. That this was not a human problem. The problem was never the religious leaders. The problem was the spiritual forces of darkness that was at work in their life. And so to go against it as if human beings were the problem would miss the whole point. The problem was a spiritual problem. So God, you need to work and do what only you can do. So do signs and wonders, bring healing. And while you're doing it, God, we're going to keep pointing to you. And so just as as Jesus told them and the Holy Spirit spoke to them, he would say to us, we got to start by becoming aware that we don't just have people problems. We have spiritual problems. There's a spiritual battle and spiritual strongholds that God needs to bring down. Paul said it this way. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Pay attention, Paul would say. Your problem is not with your neighbor or your coworker or your friend at school or your bully at school or whoever it might be. Your problem is the spiritual forces of darkness that is deceiving and dividing and destroying. Your problem is the strongholds that are holding people captive to those thought processes and those feelings and those traps. And we need a spiritual move of God. And so we've got to become aware and pay attention and we've got to fight back against those strongholds. But how do we do it? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 10, he says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, and what's that word? Strongholds. There's power to demolish the strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. In other words, when you're all in and you're moving toward God and the Holy Spirit has taken hold of you, there is no going back. We press on toward the goal. We press on toward the prize. Tomorrow, let me be more like Jesus than I am today. And we demolish these strongholds. And and what is Paul liken them to? 
He says they're like arguments and pretensions against the knowledge of God. In other words, the place where the strongholds begin to take root is not around me, but it's in me in my thinking. And so Paul would tell us by the work of the Spirit that where we begin is with what we believe. Do I really believe the truth of God? Do I really believe what I say I believe? Do I really believe that God is who he says he is and does what he said he says he do, will do? Do I really believe that? Because here's what happens. This is why it's so important. Is that belief will lead you to action. Action will lead you to habits. And habits will give you direction to your life. Who you are going to be will begin with how you think. And so is my belief shaped by the strongholds of the world? Or is it based on the word of God? And so we begin today just evaluating, asking, Lord, are there strongholds at work in my thinking, in my life? Am I trapped in a cycle of addiction or shame or hurt or lies or self-deception or fear? God, is there a stronghold that is holding me in, that's holding me back from who you've called me to be? Do I, am I fully aware that there's greater things for me, but I will not take a step forward because I'm trapped? in a stronghold. And if that's the case, then today is the day that the Lord begins to break them down. Now, as we said, there's all kinds of strongholds. There's addiction. There's prejudice. There's fear. There's pain. There's things done or not done, said or not done. And they grab a hold of us. But as we move forward in this series, we could spend all year talking about those. But we're going to hone in on six different strongholds. And the reason that we're doing these six is because these six strongholds are the ones that prevent us as a body of Christ, as a church, from moving together into what God has called us to. We want to see revival. We want to see awakening. We want to see North Mississippi change for the glory of God. Then these six strongholds have got to come down by the power of God. Now, months ago, I was wrestling with our, our teaching team on what does our congregation need to hear as we move toward the celebration of Easter. And I kept thinking, you know, there's spiritual things are stirring there's a spiritual world that is the curtain, I feel like, is beginning to be pulled back for us to be able to see our, our people. We need to be equipped with an understanding of the spiritual world. And I was looking for inspiration, and I remember this uh, prayer guide that I did years ago with a group from our church called Acts 29. Now, there's 28 chapters in Acts, and so Acts 29 is you and me. And I didn't quite know why I was pulling this out, but I, I just flipped it open, it fell open, and it fell open to two pages, and it's only two pages, that list out six strongholds that prevent the church from living out the mission. And I came to our team and I said, I think this is it. And so I'm going to present them to you. We're going to do a very quick walkthrough of them today, but we're going to spend the next six weeks talking through them in depth. All right, so here we go. Here's the first one we're going to talk through, the stronghold of religion. And when I say religion, religion can be a good thing as it leads us to God. But the stronghold of religion, by that I mean this. An empty ritual, a habit, and or self 
focused rather than God focused, self focused routine with a spiritual mask. In other words, it's when I show up, when I attend, when I might participate, but it's without the question of where it leads me or why. And it's more about me being in control than me being in surrender. It's about me checking the box rather than me saying, God, whatever the question is, I'm with you. And we can show up week after week if we have the stronghold of religion holding on to us. And we will never make an impact for the kingdom of God beyond these walls. And so we want to pray, Lord, I want you to take down the stronghold of religion. We're going to talk also about the stronghold of pride. And by the stronghold of pride, I mean seeing the people, events, and circumstances with me at the center. It's when I see everything around me, any changes, any challenges, any opportunities, anything that happens in my world or around my world, with me is the focus. Something changes. How's it going to impact me? All right, I deserve. I'm owed. It continues to focus on me rather than loving God and loving others. And here's the problem with pride. It, it's one of the sneaky ones. It has a particular danger to it in that pride blinds us to the real state of our heart. Where God is saying, I need to do a work in you. And we don't even hear the voice of God because pride is at work. We think, well, I'm doing great. Or it might be the other end of it. And we think, I'm so broken that God can't do anything with this. And we lose our sight of, of God and what he's trying to do in our life. And it's particularly dangerous because pride, the stronghold of pride is often partnered or opens the way for another stronghold to take hold of me. And so we've got to watch out for the stronghold of pride. We're going to talk about the stronghold of accusation. And when I say accusation, I mean a consistent and critical blame of others. And here's what is so dangerous about the stronghold of accusation is that this is an act of a person who believes themselves to be a victim. We look at the people around us, we look at the circumstances around us or the events around us and we say, that's the problem of why I am where I am. Rather than saying, Lord, what are you calling me to do about the problem? I look around and say, well, just can you fix those people? Can you fix those situations? Can you fix those circumstances? And listen, we, if you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are not a victim. Stop focusing on the problem and say, God, you hold the solution and I want to be a part of it. And I want to bring your work into the world. And as long as I'm blaming, I'll never be a part of what you're doing. And so we've got to say, Lord, break down this stronghold of accusation. We're going to talk about the stronghold of prejudice. And when I say prejudice, I mean that chronic and unhelpful view of others that's based on either bias or deceit. That I look at other people who are different from me and I see them as less than or somebody that's got to be held at arm's length because I've got an innate bias. Maybe it's passed on from generation to generation. Maybe it's something that I picked up from experiences. And it's all really based on a deception of the enemy who wants to see us divided. 
And so we look at the color of a person's skin or how much money they make or where they're from and we have prejudices against them and we miss the whole work of God that God wants to do through the differences. And we miss out. So we're going to pray that God will bring down the stronghold of prejudice. We're going to talk about the stronghold of judgment. And this is a little different from accusation. The stronghold of judgment says that I take wrong, wrongfully claim the authority to conclude another's character, motivation, or future. When I say, you know what, I have the ability, I have the authority to make the decision on what your motivation is, what you're thinking, why you're doing what you're doing, and where you're headed. And I get to make a judgment call on that. You don't have the authority. I don't have the authority. I'm not God and neither are you. Let's let God be God. Now where we get tripped up as Christians sometimes is we think that because we're not supposed to judge that we can't hold one another accountable. This is not the same thing as accountability and we'll explore that together. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, we press on toward Jesus. We encourage each other. We even call out sin, but not claiming authority of what will happen with that. Just saying, let's work together that we keep moving toward Jesus. And so we're going to say, Lord, how do we pray down this uh, stronghold of judgment? And then we're going to land on Easter Sunday with the stronghold of fear. And by the stronghold of fear, I mean the heightened recognition and reaction to danger or potential harm. And I want you to notice the, the beginning part of that definition. It's the heightened recognition. Maybe illogical, maybe a fear that takes hold of us, takes over us, prevents us from moving forward. Are there scary things in the world? Absolutely. Are there things that will hurt and harm us in the world? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, we have a God who's overcome death itself. This is not our home. He prepares a place for us where there'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more heartache, no more death. And so even if something hurts me in this life, I'm not staying here anyway. And so I don't have to be a victim to the fear. And it's fear that so often prevents us from stepping out in faith, which by definition, faith is stepping into things that you don't know what will happen. It prevents me from stepping out in faith into what God's called me to do. And we're going to pray, God, how do we bring down the stronghold of fear? Knowing that I'm not a victim, that I'm been set free in Christ. He overcomes that the one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who's in the world. Did you notice in the prayer of Acts chapter 4 that they acknowledged that all the things that were happening were things that God allowed? Meaning God was not surprised or taken back by it. He was in complete control the whole time. There's no question of victory. It is certain God is going to win. I've read the end of the book, I promise. We win. And we can hold on to that. So how do we engage in the battle? Not just throw our hands up and say, well, it is what it is. How do we say, I'm, I'm a warrior for Christ who's been set free. He has called me to spiritual warfare and I will join with him because Christ lives in me. How do we do that? Well, it's just a real simple statement. It's the foundation of everything we're going to do over the next six weeks. It's this. The two weapons against strongholds are scripture and prayer. 
We start with God's word. If strongholds begin in the mind, then let's fill our mind with truth. Reflect on it. Read through it. Wrestle with it. Ask questions. Read it with others. Memorize it. Not so that you can say you did it or that you read through the Bible, but so that it will begin to live in you. Listen, our world is deceived. If you don't fill your mind with God's truth, by default, you're going to be filled with deceit. There's no other way. And then we take the word of God and we come before God and we pray the same prayer. Not asking for legislation or programs or a strategy, but saying, God, we need you to do what only you can do. How did they pray? Well, this is what they prayed. They said, we do not pray primarily for relief. We pray first and most for boldness. I really think that if I were one of those believers and Peter and John said, y'all, the pressure is on. They're turning the temperature up. We're about to start going to jail. We're about to start getting beaten. It wasn't long before Stephen was martyred for preaching the gospel. It's about to get heavy. I really think my prayer would have been like, God, can you please turn the temperature down? Like, I believe, I promise, can we cool it a little bit? And that's a temptation for us today. God, would you take the pressure off, please, just a little bit? And I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bring relief and God wants to bring blessing, but that's not our primary calling. Our primary calling is said, God, while you do what you can do, enable me to be bold to point people to you, to not back down. Take one more look, Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 13, and then we're going to jump ahead to the prayer. When they saw the courage, and literally that word, it means boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized, they realized two things. They were unschooled, ordinary men. They were just like us. You don't have to have a seminary degree or a PhD or any letters after your name. Ordinary people. And that they were astonished and they took note of what? That these men had been with Jesus. Do people look at you and be like, that person's been with Jesus. Something different about them. They've been with Jesus. And then they kept praying. They say, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great, what? Boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God, what? Boldly. Listen, they did not bury their head in the sand and be like, it's all good. It's, everything's fine, right? It's fine, it's fine, everything's fine. They're like, God, there is a mess around us. Can you see it? Help us be bold. That's our prayer. As we enter into these 40 days of prayer, regardless if it's God is leading us to start a third campus or God's leading you to, to reach out or whatever God leads us to do, we must do it without fear, but with boldness. We cannot be afraid to stay where we are or to move out from where we are. We follow God's lead wherever he leads with boldness. 
And as we enter these 40 days from Wednesday to Easter, I want us to pray specifically for three things. And here they are. I want us to pray to be aware. I want us to be acutely aware of spiritual world, of spiritual strongholds. There are fortresses that hold us in, that hold us out, that hold us back, that God needs to break down. For many years now, I have felt like there are just a few strongholds in our community that once God begins to crack those strongholds, that a flood is going to break through. I sense it. We need to be aware of it. I want us to pray to be unafraid. That we make our decisions based on truth, not based on fear or safety. A follower of Jesus is not concerned primarily with self-sufficiency or self-protection. We die to self to follow Christ, knowing that he gives life that we cannot manufacture. And so, Lord, give us boldness. Take away the fear. Or while we're scared, give us courage to step through the fear. And then I want us to pray to be direct. And this is so very important. Because it is a great temptation of believers. I wrestle with this myself. A great temptation for us in our part of the world to recognize brokenness or deceit or a lie or a problem. And we say to ourselves, I'm not sure I want to deal with that. Thank you, God, that I'm going to heaven. Hope you get that worked out. And let me just find a little workaround. We can still be friends. We can still hang out. I still love you. But I don't really want to deal with that. So I'm going to find a way around it. We do it in all kinds of relationships. We do it at work. Right? Like, you're not really performing. You're not living up to the calling that we have. So I'm just going to work around you. We do it with Aunt Betty and Uncle Joe at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like, you are a real problem, but I don't want to deal with this. So I'm going to find a work around you. And we're not talking about that at the Thanksgiving table. We do it with our neighbors, with people we go to school with. I don't want to deal with this. So let me find a work around and let's not ruffle feathers. Listen. It's time to ruffle feathers. It's time to say, God, I'm not going to be mean or cruel or hateful. It is the kindness of God that draws us in, not the doctrine of God. We discover the truth of God once we come to him, not the other way around. His kindness draws us in. We lean in with love and kindness, but we have to be people who are direct. Here's the truth. What did I say at the very beginning? We have to uncompromisingly hold together grace and truth. And lean in and say, I'm going to hit this head on. Because here's what's happening. CNN, Fox News, NBC, CBS, the schools, our politicians, they're all hitting it head on just not with truth. And the church is missing it. If we want revival, it's prayer and repentance. God, I'm changing direction. It's time for me to be direct. And I don't know what that is for you. But I know what the first step is that I'm calling us to as a church 
It's 40 days of prayer. Lord, how do we directly impact our community with whatever it is that's next? And we're going to step forward in faith. So here's how I want to close. If you'll stand, we're going to sing one more song. And these prayer rails are going to be open for all of us. And I want to ask two things. If you would be so bold to come and pray, if you're in one of these two places, if you recognize that in your own life, or maybe the life of someone in your home or that you're close to is wrestling with a stronghold, would you come and pray for you or on the behalf of that person that the Lord would bring a breakthrough, break down those strongholds? It may be doubt and fear and that somebody needs to come to Jesus for salvation today or be free from addiction today, to be free from pornography today, to be free from the cycle of shame today, to be free from a thought process that says, I'm not enough because of what was done one day to me. It's time to break free. Or maybe we as a church need to break free from one of the six strongholds that we're going to wrestle with. Would you come and pray? Or here's where I'm at. Y'all, I'm so tired of praying little prayers where I pray a prayer just big enough where if God helps me, I can do it. I'm done with that. I want to pray big prayers that require God to show up and move. If you're ready to pray some big prayers, would you come join me and pray for God to move? We'll wave somebody over if you want us to pray with you or you can just pray where you are. It doesn't matter if we're three, four, five deep. It's time to pray. God is on the move. I feel it so deep in my bones. I'm ready, but I cannot do it. You can't do it by yourself. We've got to lean into one another where two or three are gathered in his name. That's the key, in his name. Not in the name of Get Well Church, in the name of Jesus Christ, leaning into the Holy Spirit, calling on him to do what only he can do. When we lean in together, he shows up. If you're ready to pray big prayers, let's pray it together. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing, and these prayer rails are open. You do what you need to do as the Holy Spirit leads, and we'll see what God's going to do. All right, so let me pray for us. God, we love you, and we praise you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the goodness of the gospel. We thank you for how, how amazing and big and powerful you are, that you have eternal things that you do. And we thank you, God, that you have the power to break down strongholds. And I pray, Lord, even as I, as I speak right now, may I be so bold, Lord, to call upon you in the name of Jesus. If there's somebody who needs physical healing right now, would your spirit bring healing? If there's a marriage that needs to be put back together, would you bring redemption? If there's somebody that's drowning in debt, Lord, right now, would you make a way forward? Lord, if there's somebody caught up in the cycle of addiction, would you break them free right now? Lord, if there's somebody who's holding on to something said or done years ago and they've believed a lie about themselves or about the world, would you replace that with truth right now? Would you break down the strongholds that hold us? And Lord, it will be our constant prayer as we move forward that for us as a church, you would break down these strongholds of religion and pride, accusation, prejudice, judgment, and fear.
and send us out on the mission you have. We beg you for revival and awakening, not just in a worship service, but in every day of our life where we are seeing miracles and signs and wonders. We beg you for that, Lord. We want to live a bigger Christianity and join you with the adventure that you've had waiting for us. So come, Holy Spirit, and do what you need to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.